Welcome to the Soul Mama podcast, where we have deep and honest conversations about healing, awakening, spirituality, and wellness on this sacred journey of conscious motherhood. We ask how we can walk this path in a way that nourishes, elevates, and heals us and our children. We deserve space and time to slow down and tune in to our hearts, to heal ourselves, and to honor our highest callings. It starts with us. I'm Nahanda Truscott-Reed. I'm a mother, holistic wellness coach, writer and speaker, and I am passionate about all of the ways we can raise our consciousness and come into more alignment and power as women and mothers. So we can heal the past and make more empowered choices for the future. Our stories and voices matter. It is my intention that these conversations inspire, motivate, and move you on your own Soul Mama journey. I'm so honored that you're here. This week, I'm speaking to Rochelle Garcia-Saliga, Rochelle is a mother, a wife, a certified professional midwife with 18 years of experience working within the realms of holistic women's healthcare. She is the creator and director of Innate Traditions Postpartum Care, which offer a framework of postpartum wellness to birth and healthcare providers worldwide. Rochelle is co-founder of the Starseed Root School of Traditional Healing, a re-villaging project and educational center in the mountains of Northern New Mexico. All of Rochelle's work is dedicated to midwifing a cultural shift, honoring our innate wisdom, our personal authority, and the sanctity of life. I was really drawn to connect with Rochelle because she speaks so honestly and movingly and intimately about the ways that motherhood tie into the ways that humanity unfolds. I found this conversation so moving and I hope you do too. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Rochelle Garcia Saliga. I am so happy and honored to have you on the Soul Mama podcast. I just wondered if you could take a few moments to introduce yourself and the work that you do, and then we can go deeper. Yeah. So, my name is Rochelle, and I have been working in the realms of what I call traditional midwifery for the past 18 years. So, I like to kind of um, define what traditional midwifery is to me because language is a big thing. So traditional midwifery to me is this understanding that midwives have always been the people's um, caretaker of health, right? From womb to tomb, from the time that we're conceived to the time that we die, everything in the spectrum of life was at some point in time, the realm of midwifery care. So that's really how I came into midwifery. I came into midwifery through a traditional route and a traditional lens and that understanding. And also to understand that um, when I'm speaking of tradition, I'm not speaking about tradition within a specific cultural context, but I'm speaking about tradition as in midwives around the planet, no matter what 
um, lineage we come from have always done the same things. And they are concerned with protecting and caretaking life. And so when we look really at what is within the realm of protecting and caretaking life, I mean, the biggest foundational questions within that is um, in what way are we conceived? In what way um, do we gestate in our mother's wombs? In what ways are we born into this world? In what ways are we parented? And in what ways are we in relationship with our family and within our community? Because that period of time which is called the primal continuum of human life from conception through the first three years of life, um, shapes the foundation of who we are as a human. And it really, and, and when I say shape, I mean like it shapes us physiologically. So it's like, do we respond and to the world from a place of fear and protection and defense? Or are we living life in a place of trust and love, um, co-creation and co-regulation. And there's no moral judgment in that. That is um, our physiology that I'm speaking to and what happens for us in this early period of life, which is traditional midwifery care, shapes humanity. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel and I call myself a midwife because of that. I mean, I absolutely started my path into midwifery, attending births, and that's what I did for the first seven, eight years or so. And now I really focus on the postpartum period and I'm not going to burst right now, but my work is entirely rooted in um, traditional midwifery. So mm -hmm. now I teach birth and healthcare providers how to optimally support mothers and families in the postpartum time with this understanding that um, what's happening for mothers in the postpartum time is happening for babies and what's happening for babies is shaping the future of humankind. So I'm invested in um, shaping the future of humankind to be a life that is healthy and based in wellness and community and exaltation and thriving as opposed to survival and dis-ease and dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So that is a little bit about me. I'm a mother. I have an almost 10-year-old daughter who is the center of my world, absolutely, and a husband. And um, they are my priority, you know, and we homestead and we homeschool and work from home. So we're home-based people. Like we've been like that since our family has been created. So that is the source of my life. And then from there, it's my work in the world. Thank you so much for that. I think your description, your understanding of this traditional lens of midwifery just speaks so deeply to me, um, both personally, because I felt like that was what was severely lacking in my own experience and transition into motherhood the first time around, was just this awakening that there is something really amiss here. Like I'm really yearning for something that I'm not experiencing and I'm not seeing. And nobody around me seems to, to really understand that what I'm going through is much deeper than what is presenting in the surface. Mm -hmm. I've always had this deep awareness and knowing that the ways that we move into motherhood and parent deeply affect and shape the ways that our children are going to grow and are going to see the world. I wonder how you deal with that overwhelm that some women feel that kind of drives them into even more fear because then there is a sense of 
really deep responsibility for every action or inaction that they've already taken or haven't taken. And depending on where they are when they come to this knowledge, there can be a really deep grieving for the fact that they weren't given that knowledge to begin with before they even conceived or when they were pregnant. And Mm -hmm. so a sense of like, is it too late? Like, Mm -hmm. have I messed my child up already? You know, that weight can almost be too heavy to bear. Mm -hmm. But I wondered if you could speak a little bit to some of those feelings that come up when women come into this knowledge and understanding for the first time. Totally. Yeah. It's a great, um, important, like source kind of question, I feel like. And it's, and it's like, oh, it's probably going to make me cry because what it is, is that like, um, we have to realize that overwhelm is totally normal um, because we're living in a completely fractured way of life. So, I mean, I feel overwhelmed. I feel like a vast majority of my time mothering because, oh, I would say concurrently to feeling overwhelmed, I have this deep soul level awareness that that the overwhelm is not because of like a deficiency of mine, you know, but it's because I, I'm not a village. I am one person and like i can't be a village so no matter how much i try to be a village like i can't be i'm one person so i would say that that's like the biggest place for mothers to step out of i mean whatever labeling we want to call it hurting ourselves um victim consciousness um i mean you know we can call it so many things you know that there's something wrong with us it's the pathologizing there's so many things in there but a lot of moms internalize that as like something is wrong with me like something is wrong with me because i can't keep it together or i can't keep up or because i feel overwhelmed or because i feel this way and and when we can understand that we are our environment like we are our environment. If we don't have a village around us, a community around us to pick up some of the roles that need to be held by other people, um, it's not possible to do actually what our physiologic design is designed for as one person or even two parents, you Mm -hmm. know? So I feel like that's the biggest, um, most important place of differentiation for mothers is to realize like it's actually a really normal, healthy response to feel overwhelmed or depressed or anxious or, you know, any of these kinds of feelings um, as we're mothering within this modern world, because the physiologic design of both our babies and ourselves as adults is to be in a co-regulatory environment, a community environment, a village environment for our health and wellness. That's not like um, a lofty ideal or it's just a biologic reality. So when we can understand that it's a biologic imperative, a biologic imperative is like, what does any species need to assure its survival? Well, as much as we need food and water, we're actually designed for community. So to understand that community is a biologic imperative and what most of us in the modern world don't have, and it doesn't matter what culture or lineage we're coming from, what most of us don't have is a tight-knit community. 
So then we feel really bad and overwhelmed. So I think that's part of it. I can just speak for myself to understand that in knowing everything that I know, right, about like child development and the impact of our birth experiences on our children and all these things, like I'm a human who's still living in this fractured reality, doing my best within reality as it is. And so then what happens when I, I, see unfolding for my own daughter things that I know that are not uh, best for her health and wellness. Well, we're human. And I think on a deeper level, what I do with that is understand that like she also has her path and there's only so much I can do. And then there's also her path and what she has incarnated to learn and be part of in this Mm -hmm. life, even though I would rather it not be like that, you know? And so then there's like a piece I have to come to an acceptance of, of that, Mm -hmm. you know, and our children too are living in this reality. That is a fractured reality. They are going to suffer. We have the responsibility to protect them as much as we can and caretake them. And then like this is this larger design of life, you know? So there is like a, an acceptance and in that acceptance, a peace, and then foundationally to know that healing is always available. There's not like some timeline on healing that like now it's available for you to heal and now it's not. Like, I don't believe in that. So I think for a lot of us, you know, in like my generation, I'm 41. A lot of the healing that actually happens is to recognize our mistakes or recognize where things weren't as optimal and then acknowledge it for our children. Because for a lot of us, we didn't have parents that did that. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was just that there was a mistake. And even if they acknowledged it, it was never spoken, but in the simple act of acknowledging it and maybe even taking responsibility for it as the adults, right. Where we could have done better or apologizing. I do that a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, and I actually do that a lot for my daughter on behalf of other adults who don't have the consciousness to see how their actions are impacting her well-being, mm-hmm. I'll tell her, you know, I'm apologizing to you on behalf of this person mm-hmm. because they don't have the awareness to understand how their action just impacted you. So because they don't, and I'm an adult, I'm going to take that on and apologize. And it's not like that erases the reality that she lived those experiences, mm-hmm. but it helps her to understand like right from wrong and how to align with life and love and justice. Thank you. That Mm -hmm. just already just put so much reassurance in me. And I'm sure so many women listening because Mm -hmm. it's that constant battle between wanting to do the best, be the best, show up as the best for your child to give them the best opportunity to thrive and then that constant realization that certain things are playing out that i i know to be negative or i know has damaging effects or i know i experienced myself and it didn't serve me and yet i seem to be unable to make everything the way that i would want it to be and i i know for myself you know i saw motherhood as an opportunity to make right what was wrong in my own childhood maybe people feel is is bringing it into a space of judgment of our parents or or blame and and it's not that it's not about the victim consciousness in that in that regard but for me it was just a reliving my childhood from a different perspective from a different mm-hmm. lens and then really offering compassion to my mom and to my dad and to 
the reasons and the circumstances that enabled those things to happen in play out in the ways that it did mm-hmm. and really ask myself how I can bring my own conscious awareness into the choices that I'm making to always be asking myself like where is this coming from and what effect might this have and that to me is the charge of of conscious parenting right is is not necessarily what can we control or what can we do better but it's just where can we bring space and love and compassion to Mm -hmm. some of the lessons that has taken us years to unlearn and try and break some of those cycles and create space for new narratives to come through, right? It is a very overwhelming responsibility to hold. And I've definitely felt that the nuclear family, you know, these two people trying to make their way through and heal ancestral trauma and, you know, break generational cycles. And And pay bills. And (laughs) and show up for work and keep the house clean. You know, it feels like everyone. Like there are moments where I'm literally just like this. (laughs) (laughs) We're not resourced to do this. Like we haven't, it's almost like we we don't have the capacity to take it all on at once and and some of those lessons have been so present you know in my own relationship where I've realized like you know I've I've come from a line where the relationships haven't been the most um healthy and so both me and my husband even in getting married at a young age were making a conscious stand for who we wanted to be in the world and how we wanted to to show up for each other and yet when those things start to show up I don't want to be the mother who's the martyr I want to be the mother who enjoys this experience you know trying to bring this intentional awareness to every lesson it can be exhausting and so (laughs) I wonder you know there's sometimes when I'm like ignorance really is bliss because almost in the not knowing and the in and in the unconsciousness of life I feel like there's sometimes more pleasure allowed to people who are just going through just you know doing what comes and and just moving through life in that way as opposed to this really intentional, conscious way of living. So I wonder how you find balance in that for yourself, that navigation continuously of both dimensions, of of knowing that spiritual oneness, but then being in the everyday reality of what is. It's a lot. I mean, (laughs) I was like, I say that a lot. I'm like, it's just a lot all day, every day, you know? And I guess what I feel called to respond to in that is like, in terms of like that ignorance being bliss, um, how, how it is for me is like, do I have a choice in things? Sure. I have a choice. Right. And what I've tracked is this funny, not funny kind of reality as humans, right? Like, do we have a choice? Mm -hmm. Um, Do we really? Okay. Because for me, what I know is like, when I don't align with whatever we're going to call it, my highest self with life, with God, when I don't keep myself aligned like that, I get sick, right? Um, And so it's in me keeping myself aligned with God, with life, with my higher self, that it's not that it's easy, but it's like, it's walking this kind of really narrow path. And if I teeter to either side, I'm going to get into problems, right? Either I'm going to get sick or something is going to go really wonky in the family, right? So I feel like I have this really straight, narrow path to walk, and I just have to keep walking. So, 
you know, when this conversation comes up, even in classes, when I'm teaching, it's like, sure, we have choice, right? There's free will. Absolutely. Like I can decide if I'm going to eat this or I'm going to eat that. I can decide if I'm going to do this or I'm going to decide if I'm going to do that with my time. And like each choice we have has a resulting consequence. If I know that like ultimately I want to feel good and I want to create health and wellness, right? On all levels and all dimensions, what is my choice really? Like there is not actually much of a choice. It's just this path, you know? So I just feel called to speak that because in this world, I feel like we can get lost in confusion and all these choices that we apparently have when in reality, if we are wanting to align with life, we have a path and that path is a choice, you know? And so in the everyday, it is, it is just overwhelming, but like, I just, me and my husband, like constantly keep this perspective of it's overwhelming, not because of something wrong that we're doing or lack of what we're doing. It's overwhelming because really we're doing the ancestral healing work of so many generations behind us. Like we're picking up the slack where healing hasn't happened for many, many, many generations into the past. And often that healing hasn't happened, right? Because of circumstance, because there wasn't the resources, not, I'm not talking about just monetary resources, but the time, the energetic resources. And so for a lot of us at this time, it's not like, we're just doing some peely little work. It's like we're, we're tending to multiple generations of shit behind us, unhealed family stuff, you know? So it's like unhealed family healing coupled with mothering in the modern world. I mean, coupled with, with all of it. And it's just a lot. I don't know. Every day is like the whole, that's like the whole big conundrum of like, how do I do this in balance each day? You know, and, and some days I, it's like a success story and some days it's a total shit show. Just kind of depends on the day. I've learned to stop waiting for permission from someone or for someone else to show up in this way that I expect them to. And the more that I, like as a mother, and really assuming the role of matriarch within my family, the more that I create the infrastructure in my life that's actually going to be supportive of my life, the better off my family is, you know, and those things, it's not just like magic poof, if it just happens, it's like you have to consciously create things, you know? So how does that look? You know, like the other day I had just started bleeding and I really like to just rest my first day of bleeding. And, and I do, I mean, I feel like, you know, probably compared to like 99% of modern women, I'm, I'm chilling out, you know, Mm -hmm. but this day there was people coming by and, and we have all these animals to take care of. And anyways, it was like, I found myself like cooking food because my husband was cooking it and then he had to go do something. And then we have turkeys and they got out. So then I was like doing that. And then I stepped in this hole in my backyard and twisted my ankle and I just like screamed and my husband and my daughter came over and I was sitting there and I had so much anger boiling up in me. And like, you know, my pattern would be to lash out at them. Mm. And I just really like, I was like, I'm not going to go there and just like focus that anger of like, what am I so pissed off about? And it's just this understanding. I'm so pissed off because I really just want to be resting and not chasing turkeys actually right now. (laughs) And 
And then I, then I started getting pissed at my husband, but it's to understand my husband had been working nonstop since six in the morning. And it's really not like what he's not doing because he's already doing everything he can possibly do. And it's to understand that like, it's just, again, it's this family dynamic, this nuclear family thing. I can't do what I want to do completely within this structure that we're living. So we're starting to change that structure. Like there's a young woman who has taken my class and I've known like in a friendship mentorship role for the past couple of years. And she's going to start living on the land with us here. Like we're putting up a yurt for her to live in and, you know, she'll, she'll live in the yurt and have her own space. Um, But it's also to have another adult here. You know what I mean? Just um, like for, for her, like what we can provide is family because she's in her twenties and wants to have that grounded sense of family and stability. And what she's able to help us with is like being with our daughter and Mm -hmm. doing all the things that we do, but it's another adult, you know? Mm -hmm. So how can we create changes in our life? What are we willing to like give up or sacrifice or do to create like the infrastructure changes in our life to create something that actually works for us instead of against us? It's a deep question. And I think this emphasis on understanding the deep benefits of community, surely all of our energy should be in really nurturing relationships with people that can be our community. And I think it's interesting because a lot of what I've understood as this kind of spiritual journey means that normal community can sometimes be the thing that you're moving further away from because the mainstream narratives or conversations or dynamics or ways of life or just framings of what we're here to do just feel very different to a spiritual understanding of what living in right alignment might feel like or look like. And so it feels for me that since I've walked this path, my options for community feel even less than what they would be if I, you know, and and it's that dynamic between actually being more um, separatist where I've been inward focused and just being like, okay, as long as we're in this home living in these ways, then we can create this vision for ourselves. And then realizing like, well, we still can't do that alone. And so we still need we need support and we need to be able to serve and we need to be able to be in, in real communion with others. Where do we go to actually find deep, meaningful connection? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have the answer to that. because <laughs> I mean, I'm like, we're in that. I'm in that. We're in that, you know, and I feel like that's, it's real, you know, and it is true. It's like the more in my experience and an experience of just like close women specifically in my life, it's like the more um, clear you get and the more like you get focused on doing your work and the less you care actually what people think about you and what their opinions are and blah, blah, blah. And you just get focused to do like what you came here to do. It it is true. Like the less people and the less friends you have in your life, right? Because, um, you know, there's all kinds of saying, it's like people always love an honest woman until she gets real and pushes your buttons. Right. And, Mm. and it's, you know, for myself and maybe you included, it's like, it's always, I've always been like the too much person too deep, come up to the, to the shallows. Like we don't have to, you know, get that real with it. And and it's always been like that. And so I'm I'm like, (laughs) yeah, actually like I, what other way is there for me? Right. So 
I have like a very small, small core group of people, you know? And so then, yeah, how do we do that in community? And I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know like what, what we felt into so far. And I, I find personally that a lot of people in my age group and my husband's 51. So in our age group are really like settled into their way of life. Mm. So even if they might say that they want to live in community, like they're not willing to make changes because they've like solidified into a certain reality. Mm. And clearly like my family were like solidified in a certain reality, but it's a reality that we love and we create and we're constantly expanding upon. And to layer on top of that, like what we're finding is like, honestly, it's people in their young twenties, mid twenties who are open and willing to do things that people my age are like, Oh, it's too much. It's too radical. It's too, 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 whatever. So like this young woman who's moving here, she's in her mid twenties. You know what I mean? Because she wants to create community. She hasn't like solidified her life. Mm -hmm. We can be supportive of her because we're in a different life stage than she is. And she can be supportive of us because she doesn't have children yet. And she has like way more energy than, than (laughs) we have, you know? And so And so I feel like there's something to be said, at least at this time that we're living in, to feel into in terms of um, it might not be with people who are our own age. It might be different. Mm -hmm. And so it's the younger generation and then some of the older generation, like postmenopausal women whose children are grown up, who like are understanding the importance of this design as well. So we're connecting with people in that way, you know, Mm. and I don't know that it's like that for everyone, but that's how it is for us right now. Mm. So I feel like for a lot of us, it's to kind of think outside this box of how community can look like, and it might just be surprising, like who shows up, Mm. you know, and to, and to look at that too, because there's like this part of healthy roles. Like I had really um, amazing mentorship in my twenties. And I know that that helped me to become who I am. And so like for, you know, those who are in their forties and fifties, like 20 year old people really are looking for mentorship. And so maybe you create community setups where you have that they're looking for mentorship and we're looking for like help with these lives that we've created, you know, that's where we're going to leave part one community or lack of it is such a big theme I see come up time and time again with the women that I coach through the soul mama journey even more so for women who have become mothers amidst this backdrop of social distancing and the lockdown that has been this global pandemic as Rochelle and I have spoken in this episode so many of the pathologies attached to postpartum wellness really are just the expressions of deep loneliness and isolation Often we feel like we have to do everything alone. I know I did, but what I've since learned and what I continue to invite mothers that I work with to do is to get clear on who is in your village. Who can you ask for support? And what does that support need to look like for you? In part two of this conversation, Rochelle and I go deeper on the Starseed Root School and what her vision is for the future. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to www.soulmamajourney.com for more resources, including the Soul Mama blog, the show notes to each episode with links and references to everything mentioned, and for more ways to work with me one-to-one. 
Make sure you're following me on Instagram at soulmomacoach for more personal shares and updates. And you can email me at nahanda at soulmomajourney.com. I so love to hear from you. Share the love with your friends, family, and anyone who would benefit from listening to this. And if you could take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, wherever you've listened to it, that really helps more people to discover it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Stay blessed.